hey, it's Dave, and you know I'm not a fan of pre-rolls, so the fact that I'm doing one, you know this is important, and it's time-sensitive, because March 21st at 5.30 Eastern, myself and my favorite book guru, Thomas Umstadt Jr., are doing a webinar on book launch secrets. And if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch, you'll learn more about it. But I just wanted to get this in here because that's right around the corner. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch. Today on the podcast review show, Eric and I are putting on our lab coats and checking out the pharmacist's voice. Welcome to the podcast review show. Hosted by radio veteran Eric K. Johnson from PodcastTalentCoach.com and Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. Dave and Eric help you identify those things you are doing right so you can do more of those and lose those things that don't deliver value to your audience. Join in on the conversation at PodcastReviewShow.com. Welcome to the podcast review show. I'm Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting.com. Joining me right down there, I feel like I'm on the Brady Bunch, is uh, you know him, you love him, Eric K. Johnson, the podcast talent coach. Uh, Eric, how are you doing? I am good, Dave. Good to be back in the seat here and getting back at it. Tonight, our guest is Kim Newlove. Kim is a pharmacist turned voice actor. We are going to uh, review her show called The Pharmacist's Voice. Kim, thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for having me. You can find her show at thepharmacistsvoice.com. Kim, what inspired you to, to launch the podcast? What inspired me was hearing somebody talk about being a thought leader through writing and publishing and by extension, podcasting. Since I was already kind of studying to be a voice actor, my friend Aaron suggested that I look into podcasting as a way of, you know, publishing. So somebody that I know and trust gave me a great idea, got me thinking about starting a podcast. One thing that's a little different about your show than I think than other people is it's a format and a lot of people are just, oh, I'm going to do this to position myself. You're doing what I call a journey podcast. And probably the best one I know of is there's a woman named Joanna Penn who wanted to write a book, but she didn't know how and she wanted to self-publish. So she just started interviewing all these experts in the self-publishing world. And it's interesting because fast forward about probably five years later, and she's now one of the key like independent publishing experts. Like she became the expert. So that's where I always say you don't have to be the expert. You can say, hey, here's where I want to go. And you follow, in this case, Kim on her path as she, you know, heads on her way to stardom and, and fame and fortune and things of that nature. Have you had anything come about from your, do you have a because of my podcast story or anything that's related? I know you, you now have a course and things like that. Are those ideas that came about from your audience or what, what's come about from your podcast so far? I would say laryngitis, first of all. <laughs> right now, I've got laryngitis. It's actually from a cold. So anybody listening to this that thinks, man, she doesn't sound too good for a voice actor. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. What, what has happened because of my podcast relationships, for one thing? I didn't know what was going to happen when I started my podcast, but I've met all kinds of people. People want to know me. People want to be on my show because of my podcast. But one of my guests 
considered me for a book that she wrote. It was her second book ever, and I ended up narrating it as my first audiobook. So that's cool. And I also had another guest who invited me to narrate her book as well. And I haven't started production on it yet, but that is in the future. I'm trying to think of, I've got listeners on all kinds of continents because of my podcast too. I, that's my favorite part of my statistics. <laughs> I like seeing where I am being heard on a map. The, there you go. The thing I thought was interesting, because with a journey podcast, it's hard to, in some cases, come up with that criteria or the avatar. And you actually say that in the episode here. And your podcast, The Edutainer, I think that is a great combination of education and entertainment, which are two of the things that really I require people to be on my show to talk about. They either have to advocate for something, educate in some way, or entertain. So those are my criteria, and you fit it perfectly. So that's something when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's cool. Because it's nice to have just a clear idea of who is going to come on my show. So, Kim, as it being a journey podcast, pharmacist slash voice actor, tell me the thumbnail overview of what the show is all about and who is your target listener? Okay. First, what is the show about? I actually alternate solo shows and interview shows. The solo shows are what's about my journey from pharmacist to voice actor. And just a little bit about that. Sharing my journey is about being a second career individual, leaving your first career and going to a second one. Sometimes there's overlap, right? And I intentionally wanted to be a pharmacist and a voice actor and a podcast host and share the journey that is all of that mindset issues, what it's like to change careers, how to find work, all kinds of things. And then the second part is my interview shows. So I'm alternating these. The interview shows feature just like that clip Dave just played. They feature people that use their voice to advocate, educate, or entertain. So I want people to tell me how they use their voices. It's not just, oh, that's cool. You wrote a book. It's they're using their voice as an author, or maybe it's being made into an audiobook. Let's talk about that process. So that's that. That's a little bit about the show. And, and who are you trying to attract? The audience, what I intended at first, <laughs> when I first started talking to Dave about two years ago, was I want to make something that's for pharmacists, pharmacy students, pharmacy technicians, anybody that's in the pharmacy realm, maybe pharmacy professors, but then also voice actors who are in the medical space. That's who I hope to reach, but I don't know if I always reach them because it's hard to know your audience unless they communicate with you. Yeah, that's an important thing to remember is that the ideal target listener that we develop in our mind will morph over time as we learn more about our audience. New podcasters especially go, well, I don't have, I don't know who's listening because I don't have a show yet. And we just create the person that we want to attract. Then after we create a few dozen shows, then we learn who we are attracting and that ideal target listener we've defined develops over time. It, it morphs and it changes and things like, fantastic. I love your I love the concept of the show. And a lot of people think, well, how many pharmacists are there that are voice actors? 
I listened to the demos that you have on your site and the technical jargon that you need to know in order to be the voice actor for medical spots or educational material in that field. Uh, you need to know some pretty big words. Like I can't read ingredients on the side of a bottle. I wouldn't be able to do near the stuff that you do. It is quite the niche field, but very much a needed a talent to have when it comes to narrating medical technical information. Yeah, the the demo, the first one's for another company, and then you get into something where you start naming it. I don't know if it's causes or what, but it was just like, so look at Kim showing off. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Some fifteen syllable yeah. ingredients in a medication or something. I'm like, wow, okay. It was fun being in the studio for that, being directed by my coach that was out in San Francisco. And what was cool about that is he said, we have to do this between 14 and 17 seconds. So it fits on the full length of this demo. And I think I did it a little too fast, which you probably hear it's wicked fast. I don't even, it might even be 13 seconds, but you got to try to fit it on a demo. It's faster than I would read anything. You got to have some empathy for the listener when you're a narrator. That demo has no empathy for the listener. It just demonstrates, like you said, that, I can pronounce these words really good. <laughs> so at the end of the episodes, as you bring your audience in listening to these shows, what do you hope your audience does with your material or after they're done listening to the show? I would like them to visit my website, subscribe, and look at the show notes if they would like to. Okay. Can I add one more thing? Share it with a friend. So what we normally do on the show is we'll play the intro of the episode. We'll listen to the first couple minutes of it, and then we'll talk about that. Then we'll talk about the content of the episodes and uh, give you some feedback. And then we'll look at your website and give you some tips and pointers there as well. And it's all subjective. This is just yeah. two guys' opinions. <laughs> Take it or leave it. It's, it is what it, it's worth what it's worth. So we'll go ahead and hit this. This is Kim Newlove, host of the Pharmacist Voice podcast. Thank you for joining me for episode 93. If you're new to the show, welcome. I alternate solo shows and interview shows. The solo shows are about my career change from pharmacist to voice actor, and the interview shows feature a variety of people who use their voices to advocate, educate, or entertain. My website is thepharmacistvoice.com. Today's episode is an interview with Dr. Erin L. Albert. She's a pharmacist, attorney, educator, podcaster, and author. In addition to being an author of more than a dozen books on a variety of pharmacy, legal, entrepreneurship, and STEM subjects, Erin has also written for Pharmacy Times, Pharmacy Careers, and GoodRx. Erin is a thought leader and an author, and she publishes content in a number of different ways. Our conversation today focuses on thought leadership through writing and publishing so that you can be inspired to share your ideas with the world. Erin's full bio is in the show notes. You can find them in your favorite podcast app or at thepharmacistvoice.com. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Erin L. Albert. And off we go to the guest. A couple things on the introduction. First, I love the way that you set up her introduction and you give us the information that we need to understand 
why we should care, like why we should be interested in this particular guest. So many podcasters start with, Dave, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And Dave says, well, when I was a young boy, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and gives us a whole bunch of information that, that the listener doesn't like need. <laughs> that was Grandpa Dave. <laughs> um, and you set up, you tell us exactly why we should pay attention to what she has to say, which I really enjoyed about that. A couple things I would change about the introduction of your show. I know you alternate between solo shows and interview shows. I would I would give a little more about yourself and demonstrate a little bit of your expertise before we jump into the interview and make our guests look great. Tell us a little bit about you. Maybe share a little bit of your story or your journey, why you're here, what you help us do, what the podcast is all about, something like that. Just give us a little bit of yourself, maybe even what happened this week. So just a touch of what you do in the solo shows on this particular episode. So it's not a full-blown solo show, but just to bring us up to speed sort of thing. If I'm new to the show, who, who you are, what you're all about, thanks to the guest for being here. Demonstrate your expertise before we, before we jump into the guest. But I thought it was solid. I thought your read in the introduction was a little stiff compared to your demo reels. Now, you tell me that your demo reel, you thought you read it a little too fast, but even though you read your demo reel quickly, it sounded a lot more natural to me than this. This sounded very slow and deliberate, almost like the like your diction was almost too perfect, like oh. you were very speaking every word without running any of the words together. And they were all very precise, very Mary Poppins. And what I would recommend you do is just be a little more you. It was like it, it, script it, but then tell it to me rather than reading it to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. The one that noticed, and I think it's in the beginning there, is somewhere in there I, I have a clip where you say interview. And it's like very inter, like it was so well pronounced. And I was like, and I was thinking about it. And I was like, one hand, if I'm looking for a voiceover person, I'm like, wow, this person has really good diction. But it did sound. Because I talked to you and I was like, this isn't how you sound when we're on Zoom. Hey, what's up? You're not like, Dave, today my son was doing this. And it was like, so it was just, and not to go just a little further towards the natural sounding than that. Okay. We used to have people on the radio cut commercials and we'd call them the not ready for primetime players because they would say, hey, Dave, what is that you are holding? Oh, this is my new shovel I bought at Bob's Discount Hardware. Oh, yeah. really? Did you get a good deal on it? You know, and into their reading the words rather than acting it out or rather than just taking the script and making it their own. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we we're not so deliberate on the T's or we drop off the G's on the ing, mm -hmm. things like that. Just be a little more conversational in it. You do a great job in your in the demo reel. The demo reel is you're smiling, you're having fun, you're telling me all about it. Dave, do you have a clip of any of the demos? I do, Eric, and uh, brace yourself. I'm going to let this get into the part where she really starts riffing on these really fun <laughs> words that you're going you're gonna to want to use these in your vocabulary today. We are Genentech. We thrive on the everyday rituals that make our work. This is the Genentech story. This is Everyday Epic. Doing now what patients need next. Idiopathic hyper-eosinophilic syndrome is one of a group of intrinsic pulmonary eosinophilic syndromes that are idiopathic in nature. Aggressive therapies can include cyclophosphamide, cyclosporin A, azathioprine, or interferon alpha. Zinfandel may not be right for everyone. 
Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use Zinfandel. It just goes idiopathic was the one I was I was thinking it was idiopathic when I heard that. Well, that enzothenderopine, that was <laughs> killing me there. I don't, know what, I don't even know if that was right. But yeah, you <laughs> but can see a, a little more bubbly maybe. I don't know. What would you? How would you describe that, Eric? As, as yeah, just to a intro. little more energy. It sounded like you were standing up. You were smiling. You were having fun reading it. It had a little more pep to it than the open of your podcast. And as we listen to the clips, the end of your interview where you really start getting into a conversation, you start getting into a flow and I hear the real you come out, which is what made the introduction even stand out more because the last part of the episode is more you just being you. And that's kind of what I'd like to hear rather than you being that scripted person. The other thing I liked that you did quickly is when you introduced your guest you instantly went into why is this person on my show? Because you already given like the LinkedIn bio kind of part of here's everything she's accomplished, but it still wasn't like, okay, but how did she end up here? And we're like, oh, yeah. I met you at this thing and you're the person that told me about podcasting. I was like, oh, that's why she's on the show. And so I like that again, a little personal story. Uh, that context is so important uh, to give people a reason to stick around and pay attention to somebody, especially if it's a guest nobody's heard of. If it's a guest that I, I don't know and I've never heard of, tell me why I should care. And you did just that in the intro, which was solid. And along the way, there were some great teases that she kept dropping. She was very good. This is someone who, who even though they were having a conversation ever so not subtly was there to promote a book. I, I, was, I will give her credit to that. But she said things like this. And I was like, ooh, that, that grabbed my attention. What makes you weird is your superpower. So a lot of times I think in pharmacy, we shy away from who we are as people and what other interests we have outside of pharmacy and how we can bring those into pharmacy, we kind of bifurcate. Like, this is me as a pharmacist, and this is everything else I do. And I argue you can do both. Like, you can find unique ways to combine your passions, your jam, your interests into creating something really unique and cool in pharmacy. Definitely. Back to writing and publishing then. Who are you hoping to reach? Is it just pharmacists or are you trying to reach pharmacy students, pharmacy technicians, people who dream to be pharmacists? Who's the audience you're trying to reach? So a couple things about this clip. Number one, I, I forget the word she just said. It was something like buyer farsi. And I was like, that's a 50 cent word right there. I'll have to get the dictionary <laughs> out to figure out if that's good or bad. Uh, I love what makes you weird, what makes you your superpower or how, whatever that was. I was like, that needs to be a T-shirt of some sort. And it just really grabbed my attention. The thing that I noticed about her, though, is I'm going to play a clip here in this. Well, I'll see you on the other side of this clip. But I love the question. You said, who is your book for? And your guest, in my opinion, had a bad habit of not answering your questions. She would answer it, but she wouldn't answer the question. And a lot of her answers sounded like this. So to answer your question, I am a generalist. I like to do a lot of different things. I'm never probably going to be a specialist, and I'm okay with that. And I think that's another really important point to punk rock pharmacy and this whole idea of career development. You have to know yourself better than anyone else. So that didn't really answer your question. Who is this book for? And what I thought was I cool. Agree. What was cool is you're like, all right, nice try. You're not going to get by me. And what did you ask? 
who is it important to for you to publish something, anything, a book, a podcast, a YouTube video, an online course? Is it important for the person publishing it or is it more important for the audience? Who is it important for? So this question is the distant cousin to who is this book for? And again, she came back and I... I... If you're trying to change a narrative or promote something within that narrative, that's who's targeting uh, or who I try to target around a certain message. And again, my messages are all over the place. And that's when I went, yes, they are. Because <laughs> I, 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 I had to go back and listen. I'm like, did she answer the question? I'm like, oh, yeah, this is for the person who's trying to change the narrative. That's when I was like, okay, that's, but it was one, it wasn't like, it's for the firemen. It's for the, there wasn't like a, a clear cut answer. And I don't know what to do with that. And that's why I give you credit is throughout this interview on a regular basis, she would go a little into these things and you would say things like getting back to writing, going back to the book, something to wheel her back that all of a sudden back to 46 doses i absolutely love that book for anybody that has not read it so there was a you did that three or four times and i was like there you go just it's a very polite just hey i know we ended up talking about youtube but back to the book so i thought you did that really well so eric anything else is about the interviews we're getting into the meat and potatoes of it yeah, the the first question that Dave played where you said, okay, but back to the book, who was it for? I like that. I like the fact that you're listening to her answers and then you're asking solid follow-up questions. I would avoid making it a multiple choice question. So you said, yeah, but who is the book for? And then you said, are you trying to reach pharmacists? Are you trying to reach pharmacy students? Are you trying to reach pharmacologists? Are you trying to reach pharmacy professors? Are you trying to reach your grandma? Are you trying to reach your dog? It doesn't need to be a multiple choice question. Like if you need to frame it, then frame it and then ask it. But once you ask the question, stop talking and let her answer it. But I do love the fact that you keep going back and the way that you reframed the same question to ask it again. I loved that. Don't let her off the hook. And great. That's a fantastic answer. But who's it for? And then just made, make her answer the question. And I thought you did a, a very polite but firm job of doing that. And that was solid. And that's so, that's so important. And she should somewhat know that because you want your potential customer of your book to go, oh, she wrote that for me. That's me. And so I was just scratching my head when she says that I think it's two or three times I'm a generalist. And I yada yada. And I was there is um, there's one point where she's answering the question and she makes reference to the bank of questions that you sent her. I mm. would be careful sending your guests the exact questions that you're going to ask them because they will get you will get very scripted or prescriptive answers like they they won't be very thoughtful because they will be very thought out and they will be very formulaic you want to catch them off guard a little bit if mm-hmm. people are adamant about well, I need to know the questions you're going to ask me just say I'm just looking to have a conversation I want to talk about how you got into the business I want to talk about your book and I want to talk about where you're going from here And we'll figure out the questions as the conversation happens. I don't have a scripted set of questions that I give every every guest because I want it to be a conversation, not an interrogation. Okay. For this particular guest, she had requested questions in advance and she had to stay on a particular topic because she was going through a work-related contract 
negotiation or something like that. I don't know if I'm allowed to even talk about this, but she asked me to stick to the questions. What are the questions? Let's stick to the questions. And then she happened to be done with this contract negotiation, I guess, by the time our interview came up and she went off topic. So I had already planned in my head what I was going to ask. And I stuck to my script and and I had to rein her in because I wanted to stick with thought leadership through writing and publishing. And then she sprung it on me. Oh, look, I've written this new book, which is great for, for somebody to bring up unannounced information on my podcast. That's gold. But just to let you know, she had requested that ahead of time. And she's not the only guest, too. I've had people have to run things through their legal department before our podcast, too. Otherwise, I'm not allowed to interview them. And I just wanted to throw that out there. I I know it's not good to give them questions ahead of time. If they have a legal department, that's always an arm twister. If it's not the legal department and they're just freaking out and they want questions like this lady. Let's say she doesn't have a legal department to go through. She just needs to make sure that we're not talking about anything wrong. She's an attorney. (laughs) What what I would say is, hey, Kim, look, I want it to be a conversation. So I really don't know where, what the questions will be exactly. I know the topics and we'll definitely stick to the topics that you want to stick to, but it's all recorded. It's not live. So at the end of the, at the end of the interview, you can tell me if I need to take anything out. If we talked about something that you don't want on the show, just let me know. I'll be more than happy to take it out. If you don't want that part about you kicking your dog in the show, I'll go edit that out. That's okay. We can do that. I can, because it's not live, but I don't want it to be a question and answer session because then it becomes too stiff. And sometimes you just have to turn down an interview if it doesn't, if it doesn't meet your needs, providing the questions in advance isn't the end of the world, but it does tend to make for a stiff interview because you go, okay, now question number two, what was the thing? Question number three is the deal. And it's, it doesn't flow as well as a natural conversation does. And you're not able to ask great follow-up questions because you have to stick to the script. And I've, I've only had it happen a couple of times. I've, and I've, I've only had a few people ask me for the questions. So I've been lucky that it hasn't happened a lot, but I've had that person who's, that's a good question, Dave. I remember back when I, and they just have this super rehearsed answer and you're like, right. and now they're not, it's not a conversation, it's a performance. And I was like, yeah. Okay. I see how we're going to do this now. So we would interview artists on the radio and they might, they're pr- pushing their number one single or whatever. They want as many spins as they can get. So that's why they interview. You'll notice that a lot of people do radio interviews, a lot of stars when they're going for number one. So you play their record more. And sometimes they're in a relational dispute, shall we say. And they don't want you to talk to ask about it at all. They will be on your show, but you cannot ask about such and such. If you do, we will end the interview. <laughs> and so you just have to like, hey, Dave, what's up with you? And click, and you get a dial tone like it's over. <laughs> interview ends. There, it, you just have to play nice. Otherwise, you won't get other interviews. The, this one clip and this just I'm sure just happened to me. There's not that there's anything wrong. I just want to explain what went through my brain. And there was a, it turns out this is 90 seconds of you because you're having a conversation and I get that. But at two points in the, and it's the second one that I was like, oh, wait a minute. I thought the interview was over and you would switch to a narrative style like podcast because I hadn't heard the guest in what seemed like a long time. So you're talking about rate cards, which actually led 
to a great response from her. But just for me, it was like all of a sudden, wait, did we switch formats? So I'll just, well, it'll be a lovely 90 seconds. Just a second ago, you were talking about a problem. You write about a problem that maybe needs to be solved. It's important for people, number one, for awareness, because they didn't know there was a problem. But then it's important for the people trying to solve the problem. And I think it's wonderful that people write these books or publish podcasts or create YouTube videos and people end up getting help from it. That is so important. That For me, that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to solve an internal problem for yourself or an external problem for somebody else. And I know exactly what you're talking about by bringing something, one of the greatest hits from a different industry into our own Let me tell you something. As a voice actor, I have found that they have rate guides. So rate guides in the voiceover industry are magical. It doesn't mean that you get paid whatever it says in the rate guide. There's just an industry standard for how much you should be getting paid for something. Can you imagine if we had that in pharmacy, a set amount you're supposed to get in community practice, hospital, but also all these folks that are starting these independent wellness practices where they're doing comprehensive medication reviews or patient consults, so many things out there. If there was just a rate guide, wouldn't that be awesome? If there could be a rate guide for the pharmacists, for the pharmaceutical industry, pharmacists, everybody, every job description, every job that's out there. And I realized what triggered me when you said, let me tell you, because in this situation, you have the guest name and there's Kim and then there's you. And when you say you, I feel like you're talking to me because I was like, why did this kind of, but when you said, can you imagine if we had this for the pharmacist industry and there was nothing there? That's when I was like, is she talking? Am I supposed to answer? I don't know. It was just a weird <laughs> little thing that happened there. And for me, again, I'd have to almost go back and listen to this again. I've listened to this like three times, but anytime, depending on the audience, there are plenty of times when I interview somebody and I want to agree with them. And unless I'm really bringing something new, my guests just heard, my audience just heard them say the point. And I'm not sure I need to say, I really agree with everything you just said. Because if it's a good thing, I don't know. So it wasn't like a big deal, but it just, I just, that was weird. Because I really thought, wait, did we switch formats? So Eric, did you have anything weird that happened? I realized that's a really weird situation, but. It didn't, the length of it didn't throw me off. When I was listening to it, it felt like we were getting into some territory that the guest wasn't comfortable with. And now that you mentioned that she wants the list of questions because she wanted specific things she wanted to talk about, I think we started treading into water where she was like, where are we going with this? I don't know what the, I don't know how to bring it in. I thought all the points you made were great and I thought it made total sense. And it ties in with what your podcast is all about. I, this is when I talked at the beginning about add a little bit of you to the beginning before we jump into the into the interview, this is what I'm talking about. When you're passionate about something like this, let's not necessarily like this would stick out if it was at the beginning because there's no context around it. But if you had something interesting like this to talk about up at the beginning and we give it a little bit of you, a 90 second soapbox of what you get on before we jump into the interview, that would be a nice place for that. One of the things your guest does, and there's nothing really wrong with this, but She likes to give background information. In some cases, we don't need this. And so what I like to do is when I listen to somebody, I listen to the question that I asked, and then I listen, did they answer the question? And so in this case, you asked a question, 
do you've published a lot of stuff. Do you prefer to be an independent author or do you like to work with a publisher? So it's one or the other. So here's her original answer. Now tell me when you are publishing that particular book and maybe all of your other books, you could speak to all those too. Do you self-publish or do you have a publisher? I've tried the whole gamut, Kim. It's all kind of an experiment. And I don't know that we have the best way or a best way to publish content anymore. For me as the generalist, I'm, my writing and publishing is my own laboratory and I'm experimenting constantly. Now, I've, Fair enough. I've tricked you. That's actually the finished one. And he noticed there again, she loves to say this phrase, I'm a generalist, which in the end I go, okay, but we asked you for an opinion and you didn't really give me an answer. Now, here's her original answer. Now, tell me when you are publishing that particular book and maybe all of your other books, you could speak to all those too. Do you self-publish or do you have a publisher? So very clear question. And she says, I've tried the whole gamut, Kim. Everything from I'm just going to do an ebook on this and I have my own block of ISBN numbers that I purchased. Great. Little background information. All the way through to this is going to be a hard copy book, limited edition, and I'm going to work with a publisher on it. Great. So she's worked with both. Can't wait to hear what her opinion is, A or B. It's really interesting. I think people have really changed how they consume content post-pandemic for various reasons, plus the generational reasons that I just previously shared. So I'm trying to be a little more experimental with the content that I push out, video, although I have the face for podcasting. Nowhere near the answer at this point. (laughs) Video is something that I'm trying to do on a weekly basis in a few different topics like pharmacy law and pharmacy benefits as my day job rolls out. And then career development are the three topics that I focus on video. It's all kind of an experiment And I don't know that we have the best way or a best way to... So at this point, she's actually got to the answer. ...publish content anymore. For me as the generalist, my writing and publishing is my own laboratory, and I'm experimenting constantly. Fair enough. So her answer was, I'm playing with it. I'm a generalist. And And so then my answer was, the question was, do you prefer to be an independent or do you prefer to be with a a publisher. And her answer was, I don't know. I'm experimenting. It's a lab. I'm a generalist. And I went, I'm not sure I would keep that in. It is. It's not a horrible answer, but it was just one. It was like, and it just, that's when I noticed that she says I'm a generalist, I think two or three times. And I was, it's not really an answer in a way. So that was just one that I, that, and she did another one on another, on being an MSL. And she went into what an MSL was. And she said, and nobody was doing any kind of research on this. And then she went into the Bubba Gump speech. She's nobody was doing this and they weren't measuring that. And they weren't measuring this and they weren't measuring that. And they weren't measuring any of that or this or that. And so a friend of mine and I decided to start measuring it. And I was like, okay, we don't need this whole middle part. She could simply say, and I was an MSL and a friend and I started to measure this stuff. And I was like, we don't need a, so she likes to add backstory. And she even says, you can go to LinkedIn and look it up. And I was like, nobody's doing that. I'm like, we're all pharmacists here. We all know what an MSL is. So that was another one. I was just like, and I get why she's doing it. She's being, she wants to make sure you understand what's going on. But I think for the listener, I just went, adds ah, too much background information. 
Guests like this are difficult to control. You have to politely interrupt sometimes to keep them on track. So if Dave were to start answering a question and going into this long backstory about I've tried it all, I've, I, I podcast, I've tried video and say I would jump in and I go, that's cool. I love that kind of stuff. When was the who was the first traditional publisher you used? Like back on track. Here it is over here. Like you just have to well, hold on a second. Let me ask you about that. I don't mean to interrupt you, but let me what, what do you mean by traditional publisher? Like, you know, just get them refocused. And sometimes when they go on long diatribes about something like a politician, like I'll get to that answer. But first, let me tell you about my book. And I'm like, no, that's not what we're talking about. I want the, the answer to the thing. So it, the, it takes a lot of practice and you, you have to be politely rude <laughs> when you interview. You have to jump in and interrupt, but in a light way. Hold on. I'm completely missing what you're saying. Help me understand and then focus them again. Like you have to play, put it on yourself. Like, I'm not sure where we're going. Help me understand where and then get them, refocus them. It's some guests have their own agenda. And some guests just like to hear themselves talk. <laughs> and so those are a little more difficult to rein in. But then you have to be more active interviewer, right? You can't just ask a question and let them go. You have to participate and help them shape the story that they're telling. Let me ask you a question real quick. Absolutely. Okay. Say you have a guest. You should have jumped in and interviewed, interrupted me about three minutes ago. <laughs> I love the phrases you gave me, though. I love it when people give me the words, so to speak, because I'm from Ohio and we are incredibly polite, aren't we, Dave? We're very polite. <laughs> We're like Canada. Polite. I know. And I live like 40, about an hour from Canada. So I think a little bit that rubbed off on me. Anyways. When you're interviewing somebody and they, they go off on a tangent and you're too polite because you're from Ohio to interrupt, what happens when you as the podcaster edit that down, Dave did, to the getting to the point? Do, does anybody ever come back to you guys and say, I'm offended, how dare you? Why did you edit that out? I wanted everybody to hear my long answer. Nobody uh, has ever in the history of me interviewing people ever said, why did you chop up my interview that way? As long as you don't make them say something they didn't say, you're going to be fine because chances are they're not going to remember everything they said in their answer. And they're not, go she's not going to remember talking about being on video and having a face for podcasting. And she won't even remember all of that. Chances are she's not even listening to this interview because she already gave the interview and nobody wants to hear themselves talk. Most people don't. Dave does. I, uh, you know, but that's <laughs> okay. beside the point. <laughs> that's it. I, I have myself so, on loop. I listen at night. Yeah. So here's the deal. Chances are she's not listening to the interview. If she does listen to the interview, good chance that she doesn't remember what she said. And if she does remember what she said, as long as you're not making her say something she didn't say, she's not going to be offended that you edited it down. And if she says, hey, what happened? Why did you edit so much out? Just say the interview ran a little long for what I typically like. I like to keep my shows around 30 minutes and that one was getting to be about 45. I had to find some places to take out to keep the momentum of the conversation moving along and keep it. Use a bunch of 
podcast terms. I had to keep the momentum of the conversation moving forward to keep my listeners engaged and uh, keep because when I look at the that statistics, most people tune out when uh, we get about 26 minutes into the episode and just start throwing numbers around and or, they'll go, oh, okay. Another thing you could say is, well, I wanted to keep most of the conversation focused on your book. Yeah, uh, make yeah. them look good. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Like, okay. So, when in doubt, blame it on your editor. <laughs> oh, it. you know what? I, I told her that she wasn't, it was the third question, not the second question. Any other things about the episode before we start to roll the ending here, Eric? Anything you wanted to, to chime in? Anything else? Just a little nuance. Dave pointed out when you were on that diatribe there for about 90 seconds that he felt like you were talking to him because you were saying, wouldn't it be great if you had a thing and you he felt like you were talking to him because you were using the word you, which I love. But there are times in your show where you talk about for anybody listening mm. or for the audience out there and you talk about us as a group of listeners rather than an individual and that separates that makes a disconnect between you and your listener be conscious of using that word you and make it a three-way conversation between you your guest and your one listener and make that real connection there it will it will make your engagement so much stronger thank you the ending I thought you did, there are two things you did really cool in audio. First of all, I did notice at the very beginning of your, as you start the show, if you listen to the very first half a second, this I love Kim. the fact that the symbol goes from the left speaker to the right. I don't know why, so that's a cool little effect. You actually started to fade in your outro music as the conversation was going to an end. So it was, again, it kept that momentum going. So here's how, so I picked this up and you'll hear the music's already going at this point, but this is really where you got to the ending and your calls to action and such. And how can folks find your new book? Sure. So I will give you the link to it. It's just an ebook right now. When you subscribe to the book, like a magazine subscription, you'll get or receive subsequent chapters as I write them. So uh, I will give you the link so you can put it in show notes. And of course, you can connect with me over at LinkedIn. Lots of material that I try to put out there for pharmacists and non-pharmacists for that matter. That particular channel is my jam. Very good. Thank you again, Aaron, and have a great weekend. You do the same. Thanks, Kim. Thank you for joining me for episode 93 of the Pharmacist Voice podcast. Please visit thepharmacistvoice.com to subscribe and read the show notes. There's that symbol again. It just makes me giddy. Did I miss something or did she not say her website? She's going to give it to her, put it in the show notes. But I just realized why her answers are so long. She's an attorney. (laughs) I tried to tell you that earlier because she asked for the bank of questions and she had a a work-related issue. She's... She's very careful. And I just put two and two together. You said she was an attorney. And now listening to that answer, that's an attorney answer. Like, I'm not going to give you the straight answer. I'm always going to give you the, I always have to have my out. And so she said, I will give you the link so you can put it in the show notes to the book. And then she said, find me on LinkedIn and all that other stuff. And it was like, answer the question. Maybe that's crazy. Maybe it's just the fact that she's a lawyer. Yeah, she's used to giving those She's keeping it safe. You can go independent or you can work with a publisher. I'm a generalist. I'm just experimenting. Whenever we would ask our broadcast attorneys, can we do this? It was never (laughs) yes or no. It was always like, you have to understand the context of the situation. I'm like, just let me know if I can do it.
So then we started asking for forgiveness rather than permission. You're, I like the close of your show. It's nice. It's succinct. You had one call to action, which was go visit the website, which I liked. What I would like to see is a little more why in there. You say, go visit the website to subscribe and read the show notes. What do, what do I need to do that for? What's the benefit to me? Hey, if you want any of the links from today's episode, such as our guest's book, you can find them in the show notes and uh, we would love to have you subscribe. So my podcast shows up in your on your feed every time a new episode happens. So you can subscribe and find the show notes at the website and then give me the web address. I need to know where I'm going to find your website. Give me the reason to do whatever it is you want me to do. What's in it for me? Eric, I have a question for you. You just mentioned, give me the website. I, I do, I believe, give the website. But since, and I know you guys are going to look at my website as part of this review. Mm-hmm. Do I give the website or do I include the slash podcast part? I would just give the website. People yeah. are, your website is so clean and podcasts is so clear up top that once I land on your homepage, I can find your podcasts. It's, okay. it's a big drop down. If you had it buried in, the, in a sub menu of a contact page, then maybe I would do slash podcasts. But you just, if you go to the website, it's right there. So I wouldn't mind just give the website, make it as easy as possible. The other thing I want to ask, and we are going to look at your website here in a second. One of the things we saw is you have a course and I'm not sure how much of that is is that really part of your goal or because there was no mention here anywhere that, oh, by the way, if you want to hire me for voiceover or if you're having a hard time saying snuffleupagus or whatever the next thing is, <laughs> I will teach you how to say that. There's no mention here of any of your services. And yeah, you might get 38 cents from an Amazon affiliate click from her book, but there's not a lot of you in this, which on one hand is good because it's about your guest, but this is one of the things I always love to hear at the end of an interview. What stood out? Eric, is this something that you typically recommend as well or? Yeah. Like your takeaways from the, Hey, so what a great conversation with our guests today. My three big takeaways from it, or my big takeaway, or the one thing I learned today, or one thing I didn't realize, just to wrap it up. Most, most listeners will remember one big thing from your interview. Oh, did you hear Kim? She interviewed Jesse James today and Jesse James said blank. It's, oh, he talked about the thing and they'll remember that one thing. So figure out what that one thing is and wrap that up there at the end. But I do agree with Dave about mentioning your voiceover work. You do narration and medical narration. You can find that along with everything else. So your call to action is go to the web. I do narration. You can find my demo reel along with the show notes today and all the links to the things we talked about in today's episode and subscribe to the show. And you can find it all over at my website. The only problem I have with the website is it's the pharmacist's voice. It's plural. And if you say it too quickly, it's the pharmacist voice. It might just sound like pharmacist voice. So that extra S in there might be a little tricky for some people. So I don't know if they'll have trouble with that or not. That's You'll have to figure that out with your audience, but that might be a point of clarification as you mentioned that website. Two things. I bought the domain pharmacist voice. So in case they missed Does it redirect yeah. It redirects. Yes. Fantastic. It should. I mean, double check me, Dave. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Perfect. And the second thing is I used to, on the closing, say, you know, visit the pharmacistvoice.com. That's pharmacist with an S voice. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it sounded corny. So I stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah. If pharmacist voice redirects, redirects. then there's no yeah. need to do it. There's no need to say right. with an S. That's perfect. Cool. Brilliant. Thank you. 
Yeah, that was that was going to be my first suggestion was like, if you buy that domain, you can redirect and you don't have to worry about it anymore. But so whichever one you want to go to, the pharmacist voice or the pharmacist voice, you could have you ever thought of doing just to promote your course, you could say, hey, this week's word is someone got an elitis kind of thing. It's a blah, blah, blah. And if you grow it, it comes out and you're going to die. If you'd like to, if you have a hard time saying that, I can help you with that. You can have a word of the week or something just to promote your course. Or if, if you don't, if you have a book, I don't know, just I'm trying to think of fun ways to promote your service. I love what you're suggesting. I thought about doing that. I did Napod Pomo, Napod Pomo or Napod Pomo, however it's pronounced right. back in November. And I did the 26 extra podcasts were about my online course. And I don't know, I didn't feel comfortable with self-promotion, but I do like your idea. And I, yes, I should do that because I could take a drug class and just pick out three or four words and run through them and say, this is how they're pronounced. And you know this because of the stem of the word. And this is where the emphasis is. And you can find this information at this source and don't go to YouTube because half the time it's wrong. That's always my big message. But the, something about my course, I need to clarify my message about who it's for. Now that I've had some students go through the course, they tell me that it's a certain basic level. So it's maybe not for medical narration, voiceover folks who are, have already been in practice and already know how to pronounce the words. It's maybe for a different group of people, pharmacy students, medical assistants, mm -hmm. nursing students, maybe somebody just starting in medical narration. So I really need to clarify my message before I feel like I promote it too much. Right. That's me being meek and shy, but that's my thought. And that's where you go, afraid you're going to sound like an idiot in front of your professor? I can help with that you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But the, the thing with self-publishing, and I think we all have that whole like, oh, I don't want to be salesy. And then we instantly flash forward to a, a bad car salesman that's just going crazy. A crazy Harold down is, and the reason for that is in, I don't know if it's movies or media or what, because I've bought used cars and usually they're not lemons. I, but it's we all think that this person is trying to push something on us that the minute we drive it off the lot, it's going to fall apart and he's going to go, too bad now, it's off the lot, it's yours. <laughs> and so the one way to get over that is realize that you're not selling them a lemon. You're, you're like, your product is fine. You've worked on it. It's beneficial to, to take your course and to hire you as a voiceover. Nobody's fired you. Everything's great. So kind of get that. You're, you're actually helping them. You're going to help them benefit. So consequently, you're a nice person. You like to help people. So help them by selling them your course. So I realize it's hard to get out of our own heads, but just on a you know, thousand foot view, you're not selling them a lemon. And I realize that because I run into that myself, that we have a hard time kind of promoting our stuff. And that's where I always laugh because people go, yeah, it's great. If you think about it, maybe if you want to, I don't care if you want. It's like my website is... <laughs> And it's because they just want to get through it and they're uncomfortable. And I get that. But if you've you've done your work, you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's, you got good stuff. Slowly, specifically and purposely explain how they're going to benefit. And it just takes practice. It really does. Yeah. No won't kill you. And if you're not going to promote yourself, nobody else is going to promote you yeah. for you. So don't be ashamed. Know your stuff is good. If it will help people, then you owe it to them to at least make them aware that you have it available. It's up to them to decide whether or not they want to buy it. You're not holding a gun to their head. You're just making it available. I give Dave a hard time. Dave mentioned that he had a book out. I'd known Dave for like six months and he's, yeah, I mentioned that in my book. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? You have a book? And he's, oh yeah. 
It's been out forever. I don't talk about it much. I go, much? You don't talk about it at all? I've never heard you mention it. You know, I'm rewriting it. <laughs> like, you want anybody to buy it, you might want to mention it every now and then. And to fire that right back at Eric, I forget what conversation we're in. And you're like, well, when I was going to get my MBA, I'm like, you have an MBA? Like, I think you're just a radio guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the MBA. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. As we go to check out your website, I, there really isn't much here to go. It's, first of all, I, I just love the color scheme. Everything matches. I love the mm-hmm. fact that you're sporting your pharmacist coats. If anybody wonders any kind of street cred, like, no, I've got the white it's coat. Yeah. So <laughs> I wouldn't be a pharmacist. So I didn't, this is not a Halloween costume, doggone it. I am the real deal. Quick about the uh, front page here. I love the fact that your website is all about your voiceover work and your narration. I would like to hear a little bit more of that in the podcast. So as people come to the podcast, um, to hear what, who you are and what you're all about. Let them know that you're available for voiceover work. And I appreciate you call yourself a voice actor. But I think it, as I look at your website and I listen to the show, you're more about narration than acting. Aren't you? You're not necessarily going to do movies and that sort of thing where you're going to play a character. You're doing medical narration and video narration and things like that. Is that right? Correct. But uh, even voice actors, voiceover artists, whatever, we can't decide on one name. So I just pick the one that I identify with most. And it does sound more interesting than some other ones like narrator. Yep. That tells what I do. But voice actor, honestly, it gets me more attention. So Fantastic. that's the one I use. I love it. I love the fact that this the homepage here is all about that. And I would like to just see your podcast dovetail into that a little bit. Tell people where to go. This looks great. Get them over here. Send them to give you money right here. Tell them how to hire you. Yeah, this is a a great example of, I always say, and it's hard because when you first start out, sometimes you're a podcast that might have a side hustle. And there are some times when you have to then say, actually, I need to make more money at this. So your website becomes a business that has a podcast. And I think this is a great example of somebody. This is my business. Oh, by the way, really clearly at the top, giant word podcast. So you don't have to guess if you have a podcast or not. It's right there. You've got all these video players everywhere. And my favorite thing, we've talked about jargon in the past. This is a great use of jargon. I, I You scroll down and you've got three buttons there. One says home studio. So what's in my studio? the genres I participate in and my vocal profile. And when I saw that you have a bare dynamic DT 77 or 770 pro, it's an 80 ohm. I was like, I have no idea what that is, but man, that sounds cool. It makes you look legit <laughs> yeah. right here. This does yes. the fact yeah. that you have a vocal profile there. No told me because I'm in the industry and I see that I know, you know what you're doing because that vocal profile right there, somebody who's just playing as a voiceover artist doesn't have that up there. They don't know what their range is. They don't know what their style is. They don't know what they're good at. They just say, hey, I'm a voiceover artist. I I can do voiceovers for you. Oh yeah, what is your style? I'll send you a demo. Well, just hear you tell me in three sentences exactly all I need to know. And that tells me that you know what you're doing and that you're legit, that you're in this business for real. And it's not a side hustle. It's not something you're dabbling in. Yeah, this looks super pro. And I realized if I remember right, you did this website, right? What are you using for this? Actually, no, I paid voiceactorwebsites.com to create this. My first website I created myself and it was on a Weebly platform. Yeah. Yep. This is version 2.0. Got it. 
I love all of this expertise right here and about you. When you click on your about page, it's all about your expertise and your knowledge in this industry. You, you're, this website is very focused on hire Kim to do your voiceover. Yeah. And it's a one stop shop for that. That's what I love. It's not, oh, hey, go look at my blog and here's pictures of my cat and here are books I recommend and all of that nonsense. It's just, here's my podcast. Hire me to do your voice work. Yeah, and I like the fact that you've got on your episode artwork, it's got a template. It's got the four little squares. Again, you've got your logo there for the pharmacist's voice and the episode number, but everything looks like it was planned. It's not like, ah, I'm just winging it, whatever kind of thing. <laughs> There's a, a color scheme to it, and you've got your contact information right there at the bottom. I think it's even cooler that you have an 800 number that spells RX Voice. Again, just, <laughs> just a little mic drop. And again, I've gone one step further. This is not just a hobby. I've thought this out, and I just, it's one of those little things that I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, that it's one of those, like, this isn't a free 800 number. This is, that means she spent more money. I've done that before. It, it, those aren't, <clears throat> They're not expensive, but they're not as cheap as the ones that spell just dial one seven seven. That doesn't work. Thing I would change if we can go click on podcast and go to an episode. One thing I would recommend that you adjust. Let's do uh, an interview episode. Let's go to the one we listened to, uh, episode ninety four. Um, if you go down to the bottom of this page. So we're looking at the page. It's got great show notes. The player's up top, which I love. It's right there. I can get to it. Then you have the show notes. But I have to go all the way down to the bottom of the show notes to get, actually, this one isn't that long. It must have been on one of the other ones. But you have what's mentioned in the show at the bottom of the show notes rather than the top of the show notes. I might move that up because if I'm coming just to find the link to the book, I think the most important piece of a book show notes page is the player put that up top the second most important piece is the links that i'm coming to look for if you're directing me to the show notes to find the links to the book to find the links to the course you mentioned to find anything like that i would put that up top as second so player then the links then the notes dave could you click on episode 93 which was the one with aaron that you guys reviewed can you just Take a look and see if I did that. Yeah, there it is. 93. Well, that's why I clicked on the wrong one. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, here we go. So if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, I knew it was much longer. Here's the links down here. So where the links are here, I would move them up above the paragraph of such. Or that, or sometimes I'll make that a, a heading two. So the, and, and mine, I don't call it links. It's whatever you want to call it. But mine says mentioned in this episode is how I say links. You're much more efficient in that. <laughs> yeah. But I usually make that a heading just so it stands out. But that's the only thing that I would recommend changing on this entire website yeah. because I love the rest of it. Yeah. I love, I think your icons up top there, the Apple podcast icon and the Stitcher icon. I think those are really cool. I love the fact that you're not using their static icons. They look like their icons, but they're in your, your, color scheme. Mm -hmm. So it looks like the website. I really like that. And I love the fact that you have your demos right here on this page. So I can go hear you say 17 syllable words in the demos. And I love that right there. And I love, so I work with me, your demos, your subscribe buttons all right there. So finding anything to change about your website is was difficult. Yeah. I, I liked it. I liked the entire thing. The only thing I saw that I was like, all right, let's get nitpicky 
if you only have, you have one category podcast. And I was like, if you've only got one category, do you need to show categories? Cause they're all the same thing. And I thought if you wanted to, you could have, you could categorize solo show interview. So if people just wanted to listen to the solo stuff, if people just want to listen to interviews, but that's, I, that's ours. This is really nitpicky. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah you, you have a great looking website. Yeah. It's awesome. Any questions for us? You know what? The big reason that I wanted this review, don't laugh, but as a pharmacist, we used to get annual reviews and I don't have a boss anymore. <laughs> so I really wanted this because I can't see my blind spots, but I want to know about them. So I am putting out a listener survey because I do want to hear from the listeners what they see, what they like, what they don't like and whatnot. And I just wanted to hear from somebody who's a podcast consultant, two people. Yay. What do you see that I need to change? And I've heard a lot of really good feedback. So any other blind spots, that's what I'd like to hear about. We didn't listen to much of your solo show, but the solo show in episode 84, I believe we listened to was very much more conversational. I actually listened to episode 84 solo show and episode 93 solo show. I thought 84 was much more conversational than 93. They were both solo shows, but 93 felt like that stiffness you had at the opening of the interview episode we just listened to. It felt like you were, I don't know, it just felt like you were a little stiff. But when I listened to episode 84, you start getting into the Hunger Games and you start getting into all of the, have you ever seen that movie? And just little things like that would just sounded more conversational. I felt like you were talking to me in that episode that go back and listen to that episode yourself, episode 84, and just listen to your conversational style in there. It's much more you, it's much more lively. It's much more upbeat. You have more energy then, and then and then go listen to episode 93, 84 and 94, 84 and 94. Yeah, go listen to 94 and compare 84 to 94 and you'll see 94 feels a little more tense than and, and 84 feels a lot more conversational and a lot more fun. And it's a lot more you come out in that episode. That's what I want to hear from you. I want to hear you tell me. I love the personal stories in that. I love the tease, the setup, the whole thing was just, it felt a lot warmer. I listened to the interview episode first, and then I listened to this solo show, and I was like, wow, where's this Kim? That's the Kim I want to hear. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned it. If there were five chemicals for the experiment, and there was only one bottle of something, that was the first thing I went for. We didn't have enough of each item for everybody to have their own. In a way, chemistry class was like the Hunger Games. Have you ever seen that movie, The Hunger Games? If not, check it out and you'll understand. Which was my only thing, because I've seen The Hunger Games and I was like, wait, what is she talking about? And I was like, because it's all for one. Everybody's out to get each other. So I I just. And she she goes in and explains it a little bit after that part of the clip where she says we all teamed up and (laughs) plotted out of who was getting what and that sort of thing. But if you notice at the very beginning of that, you say didn't. Instead of where when you're reading your scripts, you will say didn't and you'll be very precise with it. And then right there, you say we didn't have and we didn't have much in chemistry class and Mm -hmm. it was much more conversational rather than reading it. 
then voiceover Kim. <laughs> when I went and listened to episode the the wrong episode, I listened to a ninety. 94 too. I listened to 84, the solo show. And then I listened to 94 as well. In 94, you say something like, let's say I host, I host PTC podcast talent coach. N- nobody talks like that. Like nobody, when I write, I will write the acronym. I will write like CWS. And then in parentheses, I will put college world series, but nobody talks like that. And in that, in 94, you do that. In 94, you say in, at the College World Series, CWS. And it, it just, it feels like you're reading to me when you do little things like that. So if you were going to do that, I would say I was going to the College World Series or some people like to call it the CWS. And then that gives me permission now, from now on to call it CWS. And then yeah. I, I do have one clip here. Have you ever heard a smoke detector chirp, the low battery chirp? It's persistent and recognizable, which is why I recognize the sound of Dave Bitkowski's smoke detector chirping during our podcast interview for episode 17. We stopped the interview, he replaced the battery, and everything went smoothly after that. Now, as I listen to that, the only thing that jumped out to me is you did very clear, and maybe it's just the way you say interview, because it sounded, I don't, I don't know, just... I enunciate, Dave. Yes. I- <laughs> it's one of my vices, darn it. Let me do it. And I think your enunciation wouldn't stand out so much if the pace was a little quicker. Faster, yep. There yes, you go. yes. But there, when there- you slow down and you say interview, it sounds like you are reading the interview from the sheet of paper. Yeah, I would uh-huh. read faster. Okay. But if you read a little faster, then interview wouldn't sound so bad when you say interview because it's a little quicker and yeah. it sounds natural. You're giving me more time to... Be nitpicked. When you slow down, I get to listen to every single word you're saying. If I go Forrest Gump, saying. <laughs> Paul McCartney does that as well. Hey, when you're in voiceover, you overanalyze the way you say everything. Let I me bet. just tell you, it's like a nightmare. I, being from Northwest Ohio, we say some something is effective, right? But no, no, people want it read effective. Who knew? I, I say electricity. It's electricity. <laughs> so I have to be careful that I don't give away where I'm from when I read stuff. But that's what directors are for. And I wanted to say something. You guys said that I'm stiff sometimes. Totally agree. I hear what you're hearing. So no disagreement there. But one thing that somebody has directed me to do is say they'll stop me and they'll say, you like doing this. Talk like you like doing this. And they'll say, right. they'll say they're scolding me, but it makes me laugh. And then I end up loosening up. Mm. So sometimes when I'm in the booth and I mess something up, I'll stop it and I'll say, you like doing this. So before <laughs> I start my intro, I will start saying that. I'll remind myself, you like doing this. <laughs> Put a little picture on your monitor of something that makes you smile, something that puts you in your happy place. Some people use their kids. Some people use the person they love. Some people use their dog, whatever (laughs) you can look at that makes you get warm and fuzzy and smile and just be in that good spot. That'll help you. Okay. Oh, good idea. Thank you. You bet. Great show though. Congratulations on a hundred episodes. Thank you. (laughs) So if you would like to have your podcast right here, Kim has the the seat all warmed up. Come visit us out at podcastreviewshow.com. You can go to podcastreviewshow.com slash review me. You can find me at these, just go to schoolofpodcasting.com. Eric, where can people find you? Hey, I have a uh, training coming up to help you grow your audience, your podcast audience, and you can find all those details at podcasttalentcoach.com slash grow. 
And Kim, where can people find you? My website is thepharmacistsvoice.com. There we go. And uh, on the school of podcasting, by the time you guys hear this, 16 years in the making, I've been chasing this guy. The one and only Adam Curry will be coming on the school of podcasting and Dave will wet his pants. So it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, listen to. So thank you so much for listening again. The website podcastreviewshow.com where we remind you that there's always room for just a little bit of improvement. Hey, it's Dave. Thanks for sticking around here. Again, this is not the norm, but we've kind of got a time-sensitive issue here because this webinar is March 21st about book launch secrets. It's myself and Thomas Umstadt, and then he's going to talk about this course. And it's going to basically go over everything you need to know about launching your book. And you'll learn proven principles and methods to help your next book or get your first book off the ground like a rocket. Thomas, the same way that I live and breathe podcasting, Thomas lives and breathes books. And then what's beautiful about it is his kind of mentor, James L. Rubart, it's kind of like getting Han Solo and Yoda at the same time. And the reason I think this is so important is this is the last time they're teaching this course. Now, the webinar you're signing up for, absolutely free, and you're going to walk away with a lot of great ideas and an offer. We're not going to lie to you. They're going to talk to you and ask you to take this course. But there's so much value in just the free webinar. I wanted to let you know that it's going on and it's happening very, very soon. March 21st. Look at the calendar. Yeah, that's like, holy cow, it's coming right up. All you have to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch. That's schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch. I can't wait to see you there.